0: Mr. A here, saying, how y'all doing? Yo! Are you ready to rumble? a on the ground, worms Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to the Rumble. I am Jeremy LaBelle, alongside of the amazing Baby Cake. She is going to be our producer and All Around Ring Girl. And with me, as always, is my co-host, the suave, the debonair, the ever-sensitive, beast of the East, Brent Hooper. Oh my God, we are in the presence of greatness, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, Brent Hooper, yes! Man, he just... I think it's his entourage that follows yeah. him everywhere. That's what he it has is. his own theme
1: music. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He travels in a motorcade.
1: <laughs> I don't it's know about all got, that. Like the footmobile. It's got it's got the, the fiberglass.
0: Yeah, the right, online. exactly. That's what it's like from the eighties. Do you remember yeah. that ridiculous thing? Didn't Steve Urkel end up driving that later?
1: <laughs> I'm not gonna admit to watching that. <laughs>
0: So, um, Brent called me earlier in the day, and uh, after listening to uh, last week's show that that launched today, as we were yeah. recording it, and uh, he realized he realized some things after listening to the show, and so <laughs> he's got a uh, he's got a heart he's got he's got something he'd like to get off his chest. <laughs> Go ahead, Brent.
2: <laughs> well, it was brought to my attention after a long overdue look in the mirror that um my vernacular and uh, the employment of choice language may not be favorable to the audience but perhaps more importantly it's not endeared by baby cakes because she has to fucking edit it so um, a much-needed apology to Donna and to any of those folks that are listening for educational and academic purposes and entertainment purposes, but um, we've made an executive decision that we're not editing it anymore. And I'm just going to try to do a better job. I'm just going to try to do a better job. In all in all seriousness, though, um, I know that Donna puts a ton of work in, and so I wasn't trying to make her job harder, but what we, what we kind of discerned is that you know the folks that listen. Um, you know they they want the authentic version of us. And anybody that knows me knows yeah. that I I love dropping an f bomb and then following it up with a you know a SAT, another f bomb. Yeah, another f bomb um, with an sat word. Um, but it's just uh you know it's one of those things where try <laughs> try to be clean, but I I realize like I'm probably not like either either I can't be on the podcast or or uh, perhaps it's just it, it is what it is. So.
0: That was not the most articulate. well. I think podcasts. Were, I think podcasts were made for people like you because the people yeah. who can filter are on, the, on ra- the radio. They're on the radio. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I'm, so I'm we, not going to be quitting my day
2: job anytime soon to go be a radio show
0: host. So. Yeah, they're on federally but regulated. He's, he's going to try and curb
1: it, but if one flies out once in a while,
0: yeah, I'm okay with it. Just, just head on a swivel, guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, um, I you know, you probably want to turn the show on after the kids get dropped off at daycare. Yeah. You know, something something like that. You know, if you're feeling a little salty sitting in traffic and you're looking for some expletives, good show to tune into. Especially
1: for what I'm about to tell you. Did you have you guys been on TikTok looking at our channel?
0: I have not. I don't. The no.
1: most viewed thing on there is the dildo on the roof. It's a masterpiece I like to call Diddler on the Roof. It's Did- the the picture.
0: Wow wow good (laughs) grief that's the most
1: that's the most viewed picture yeah nothing none of our other content just that Mm
0: -mm -mm. wow
2: that's maybe wow conversation for a different
1: okay we'll talk about that when we go live
0: um Guys, welcome to the rumble. There's a nice little edit point. Guys, welcome to the rumble. Um, We're going to be digging into some different policy terms, as we often do. We'll probably get into some uh, different case studies. But remember this, it is coming in three different rounds today. And our first round is called Concurrent Causation. Oh. Concurrent causation. I'm going to, for the benefit of the all, going to go ahead and read the definition. Concurrent causation is a legal doctrine relevant to property insurance. The doctrine may apply when property has been damaged by two or more causes, some of which are excluded. When the doctrine is applicable, the insurer must pay the entire loss if at least one of the causes is covered by the policy. Isn't that interesting? that that is the legal doctrine. Yeah. So, because I spoke with an attorney today, I spoke with an attorney today, and that attorney filled me in on something. And basically, that last little part of it where it says the insurer must pay the entire loss if at least one of the causes is covered by the policy. And basically, what he told me was just the opposite, is they don't have to pay any of the loss if one of the losses isn't covered by the policy. But wouldn't that be the case if there was an
2: anti-concurrent causation clause? Wouldn't that apply if the anti-concurrent causation clause was present in the policy? So we've got the definition of concurrent causation, but don't we generally get snagged up when that anti gets thrown in front of it and then it shows up in the policy like a naked guy at a family party?
0: Oh, gross. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. That's where the anti, that's where where (laughs) it flips on the backside where they don't have to cover it. They don't have to cover it. So that's where the anti comes in. You're right, Brent. I, my apologies. There you go. That's that's exactly right. Good so question. So your
2: initial example of, so a, of a hurricane and a flood, that is an example of concurrent causation. Right? Yes. Flood's not covered unless, of course, you've got flood insurance. The hurricane damage would be covered insofar as that naked guy isn't at the party. Being the anti-concurrent causation cause, you know why I got to make this stuff such. That's a mouthful. I like big words with a lot of syllables, but that's just obnoxious. Borderline alliteration. Can anti-concurrent causation? Anyway, I digress. So, did, did, did we get that right? Did we get that right?
0: Yes, I believe okay. so. Yeah. So, and 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 the thing is, is that. Usually so if you watch my if you watch my uh, if you watch my video on uh, YouTube for commercial claims advocate, I actually talked about endorsements. And usually when you have an anti current causation clause, it often comes in the form of an endorsement. Now, these are these are endorsements that carriers will slap on policies basically to reduce their risk to an almost certain peril is kind of what I would say. Like, um, an almost certain peril. What I mean by that is if you live in Texas at some point in time, you're probably going to get caught in a hailstorm. That's just the reality of it. You know, um, you know, if you, if you live in, if you live in, um, you know, the Northeast, you're most certainly probably going to be affected at some point in time by like an ice dam or like a, a big freeze or a blizzard or something like that that causes ice dams and, um, like concurrent causation in this um, would be um, you know you have you have the peril of snow weight of snow you've got you've got all kinds of things going on um, you freed the peril of freeze there's all there's all of these open perils that are going on um sort and of currently you know, concurrently all at the same time. Right. And, and so you get an ice dam, the water backs up, it gets in the house. And then, you know, maybe you see it, maybe you don't because there's, it's not like a dripping or you hear water running. It's unlike any other leaks that you might run into because it's so insidious and it can happen slowly and over time. And then you run into all kinds of things that the policy can end up excluding, you know, um, not the least of which would be mold if it goes yeah. undiscovered. You, you know, right? hey Jeremy,
2: I, I don't, I don't want to detract from what you're saying, but I kind of want to take a step back because, y- again, you've got this concurrent causation thing, and it's interesting because where I see this show up, and maybe you were getting there, and I just cut you off, but like where I see this show up is when, when the claims being filed, right? Your whole the whole control the narrative thing. And whether right. whether it's a wind and hail claim with a wind-created opening, and maybe now you've got some water, or maybe it's a latent defect issue, and you've you got water damage on it. I don't know. It could be a litany of things. But the point is, it's like, I see, I see sure. this stuff happen uh, when the claim's getting filed just simply based off of verbiage, you know? When... Like you like think Man. about think about this for a second, and 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 I'm I'm gonna digress, and I'm about to go down a road that is isn't related to concurrent causation per se, but it's like how many times do you talk to a policyholder, and you know a pipe broke in their house, and their their basement is you know saturated like a dish sponge, and they say my basement flooded, and then they call in, and that's how they filed their claim, and that becomes the cause of loss of record, and. You know, by the time we get called three, four months into the claim, it's like, and just because of that little thing that almost it, it teeters on semantics, but it starts there. That's sort of the ideology of it. They call it in for flood. They go through this and that. They they have the adjuster come out, and they're flood, 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 flood. They didn't know to call a plumber to get a cause of loss report, and and they
1: end up with a. That's a sentence that people normally would say. That's yeah. what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah. That is like, exactly
0: his point. They call up, they file yeah. a claim. Yeah, and
1: then, then they lock him into a, a cause of loss because they didn't know not to say <laughs> right. And it. Right,
0: and it sounds so stupid, but I, I I feel like I see this
2: often enough that it's worth acknowledging, right? Like, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a thing.
0: Yeah. Well, you're not wrong. That's, that's the thing. And generally, the people that are taking these claims often are not adjusters. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so that what that, and so when that happens, let's be clear, these people is that they are speaking directly to causation, which is a right reserved to an adjuster or an engineer. Am I, I mean, in, in most states, at least in Texas, as it, as it pertains to causation, there's only certain people that can actually speak to it. One is an adjuster. And so when they use the word flood for them to say, okay, I'm going to apply that causation to this loss and let them know that that's not covered, they're adjusting that claim. That claim, though it not be registered yet, is still a verbal claim that is in the process of being carried out under the duties after a loss. They're in the process of it. So there is a claim that exists at least in, I don't know what, what a lawyer would call that. You know, it hasn't, it's not official, but it, in in fact, is in, the policy is in function at that moment. Yeah. You know, and for them to deny it, I see that happen a lot, and I don't want to over- Yeah, no, I'm sorry, I didn't exactly mean to right. take I it down a rabbit it hole, it. but
2: it, it just, it, it showed up for me, and so, mm-hmm. back to concurrent causation. My bad. I completely derailed you.
0: No, man, I, no, this, but- but all of that all of that goes together is because often we have we have events that come that comes with concurrent causation. That's just the reality. How many times, Brent, have you been have you been looking at a loss and it gets filed under wind and you turn in hail damage and they go, Well, hey, this hey, is a wind yes,
2: I, I dude, I well, we don't we don't have a video component yet, but I wrote it down, wind and hail. I wrote it on my freaking pad here. It happens all the time, you know?
0: um and and right and and you can't and you just what do you do with that you know what i'm saying well you know, so and so go ahead and, and again it just kind of speaks to the often the lack of experience that you're dealing with even once you get to the adjuster level it's like oh this is a win claim Okay, he said wind. Yeah, and and we're and we're not dealing with any sort of, I mean, but the wind and the hail—they're both covered perils. So even in the anti-concurrent causation clause, it would have to include this uncovered peril. Still, do you know what I mean? There would have to be that. But we're talking about two covered perils, and 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 the mistake. I wonder. I just wonder how many times the wind claim and the hail claim both got filed for the same occurrence. And I recommend that you go back and listen to episode two if you would like to know what the definition of an occurrence is. <laughs> it's, um, you
2: know, and I'm actually I, I have a a little dumpster fire claim that. Um,
0: I, Yay! Been, I love dumpster fire. Yeah, I'm
2: tinkering around with, and that's actually a point of contention in the claim, and um, you know, part of part of what we're trying to do to prove the loss is the public adjuster on that one is just reset the narrative. Yes, I know it was filed for a win. Yes, I, I, I get all that, but there's also hail damage and it's like, you got to reset the whole thing. Both of these things happened at the same time, you know? Well, the, the homeowner didn't claim that.
0: Yeah, they act like right. You know,
2: the homeowner didn't claim that right. or, you know what? It's like, look, it doesn't matter. They're claiming it now. Yeah, you know I mean, it's like here's a proof of loss. They're claiming it now. Well, <laughs>
0: yeah. The point, the point is, is that it's an open peril policy. Ninety nine percent of the time. So, guys, let me let me be clear. Brent and I are not attorneys. Mm-hmm. Okay, what we are is we are students of insurance policy, and that's really probably the best way to put it. And we study it. Constantly, we break it down. We go from a, you know, a 30,000 foot view to the most exegetical way that we can look at it. And we look at individual words and definitions of words and how all of that comes together. So we're not attorneys, but it, it's, it comes down to the, the interpretation of the policy and how often that these guys, these adjusters, especially on the carrier side, I was on the carrier side. The only time they talk about, Policy or teach you policy, guys, is in your pre-licensing course. I have never, when I, all of my years was State Farm, with UPC, with multiple carriers, have I ever been handed the policy? Most of the time, they just had me writing for damages, but they never, ever taught the policy. All they ever taught were guidelines. Right. It's my favorite question. So, That's my favorite question now. And so, but basically, if you pick up the phone and call the 1 800 number, you are most certainly talking to somebody who probably has never read your policy. By and large. For whatever
2: it's worth, I'll take that like three steps further. If you think about, you know, and I would challenge any public adjuster or contractor, homeowner, whoever's listening, you think about the average claim on the average day. And you think about sort of the um, chain of custody from calling in the claim, that initial intake to claim assignment at the desk level to field assignment, whether that be a, um, you know, a licensed adjuster, like a staff adjuster or some sort of independent adjuster or what have you, third party inspector, whatever. You get my point. You go through one or two inspections, same deal, maybe an engineer, whatever. You just run through the gamut. Um, hell throw, turn it, let's turn this little scenario into a water claim. You know, you've got, you know, some, some, uh, program vendor from insert company name, you know, they send their people out and they're swinging hammers and tearing things out and setting things up. Maybe there's a textile company shit. Depending on the size of the claim, you might have 10 different people that have their hands in your claim, like someone making meatballs and none of them have looked at your policy. None of them. Not one single person has read your policy, checked your limits, checked what endorsements you that may or may not have been purchased. Um, no one. I see. I mean, I, it's it's literally claim over claim over claim, and the claim process certainly doesn't start with checking the policy, and it certainly. It certainly doesn't it, it, if, if you have a competent adjuster involved, it ends with the policy being a part of the conversation. But your average claim, man, people aren't looking at it,
0: period That's right. yeah I mean, yeah, and so and and, and I, I don't know how you adjust a claim without looking at the policy. I mean, I, I really don't. I mean, because I'm actually asked to do it all. The, you just cannot really and truly know everything that you're doing until you look at it. And they're so different. There are there are a lot about them that are similar, and I'm talking. There's probably 90 words worth of differences between pol- policy to policy, but those 90 words can change everything about how a claim goes. Can started. I get the last?
2: Can I get the last word in here? Um, are you cool with that? Take me about 30 seconds.
0: Yeah, you got you got 20 cool. seconds.
2: And policyholders, contractors, vendors, people in the claim world, they look at us sideways when they call with their issue. And we're like, hey, look, everything I'm saying is chalked up to conjecture until I'm able to look at the policy and see what's going on. And they kind of like look at you sideways, like, well, what do you mean? Especially homeowners. Well, contractor x told you know I have, i've had four contractors come out here and tell me that this you know i'm owed i'm owed 60 df you know, whatever and it's just like well i can't i can't, right. I, I can't com- confirm that i don't know it's like
0: i, I oh, haven't yeah, looked at the mouth.
2: No, because- neither is anyone else
0: <laughs> so anyway right right
1: and that is round one
0: awesome guys that was that was good i'd that's, I mean, we've got to come back and unpack that a little bit more at some point in time, and I'm sure it will, it will rear its head. Well, you know?
1: You'll be talking about that on Law and Policy.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to have Scott on here pretty soon, and we'll, and we'll, we'll unpack that with him. I, I
1: think
2: that some of these, the, the last couple episodes where we're going through some of this like policy jargon and things like that, it would probably be really helpful for us to do case studies
0: on that stuff yeah and 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 you and i we've got a couple yeah, yeah, actually I mean, the, the reality is is that brent and i have a couple of case studies and one's ongoing right now i'll be very i'll be very curious to see how it works yeah, out. it wouldn't
2: take much effort for us to just put together a couple of case studies to kind of contextualize you know certain situations
1: where this stuff applies so
0: sure so uh brent Yeah. So, this is a cool one. Um
2: Military and Veterans First Responders. Um these men and women volunteer to service and serve and sacrifice in ways others did not and to degrees that most could not imagine. Many of them have trouble transitioning to civilian work and life. But they can thrive in a meaningful and, and rewarding careers. Um Veterans Claim Victory is a 501c3 nonprofit helping veterans and first responders transition to civilian work in the insurance claim industry. Um, we can reach many of these heroes and assist in education, training, job placement, and support, regardless of the insurance claim career they choose. Um, for more information, visit veteransclaimvictory.org. This is a super cool one. Um, you know. Yeah. They are God bless the military They are Uh,
0: Some of my favorite people on the planet Just wanted to give those guys a shout out And let them know that we are absolutely on their side Absolutely Absolutely on their side Uh, And the guy that runs that You know, he is a full-time, like, working claims Just like you and I are, Brent Public. awesome and he's running he's running this charity Who as heads well. That up? It's, it's pretty amazing. And he even helps I mean, he gets them placed into like uh independent adjuster jobs. He gets them into agents' offices and stuff like that. Gets they, them pay for training. they pay for all the training and all of the licensing stuff. Very good. You know, all that yeah, kind that's of super stuff. Cool. And uh and I know that they're doing some good work and there are some success stories out there. I don't know well, there's a I know there's some that they place that are doing really, really well. Yeah. That's right. Actually- so, Um, We'll have to call Mark and see if he can uh, hook us up with some success stories. We'd love to talk about those. Have those guys on.
1: Yes.
0: Come on. Let's get those guys on here and get them to talking about it. Yeah. Proximate cause. So in round one, we talk about concurrent causation. And then now there is this other entire legal doctrine. Called proximate cause.
2: What is proximate cause? You say.
0: <laughs> so, um, well, I mean, not to not to overdramatize it, not to overdramatize it here. So, I, basically, what you're going to see is, I, I, what I often hear is these these terms interchanged and moved around with one yep. another. And so proximate cause. I wish I knew the lat the Latin ad hoc lorem ipsum ad hoc whatever it would be. But basically, Brent kind of proximate prey.
1: Ozk. <laughs>
0: that is the pig Latin version. That, that that's the pig Latin. Not exactly what I was talking about. That was about the one there. that was important. But I wish I could sound really smart and know what the Latin term is here. But I don't. But it basically means Brent. How did you put it when we were on the phone earlier? Um, if not for this, then that, if
2: not, but for the loss,
0: one thing, then this thing would have never happened. So, um, I mean, you can, now proximate cause can be a whole lot of different things. So if not for the tree falling on the side of the house, creating an opening and water getting in mold would have never occurred. Okay. Okay. And so and how they so what we've got is we've got all of these different um, these things that happen sort of in this chain of events. Right. And it doesn't always have to be. And what I think about proximate cause is it there doesn't have to be necessarily a direct link of peril. Do you know what I mean? Let me give you an example. And I will tell you this example that I use every time I talk about this is an example that I learned in my pre-licensing class for my, uh, my independent adjuster's license. So I learned this way back, and so I want to give credit to uh, Mr. Walter Chumley is the one that explained it to me like this. A tree falls, it hits the house, the house shakes, and there is an open jar of, or an open bottle of fingernail polish remover that, that spills over and damages the finish on the coffee table. If not for the tree hitting, that fingernail polish remover would have never fallen over. So that's how you piece that together. So there's no peril that 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 in a, that the fingernail polish remover encountered. None that we would think of. It did not encounter wind. It did not encounter. What did it encounter? It encountered vibration. That's simply all that happened. And that is something that caused damage to it. So there was no negligence attached to it other than maybe it shouldn't have been left open. That's about other than that, that's about it, and so that's how I explain proximate cause.
2: The example that I use to explain proximate cause is, I love using roof claims because for some reason, not that I,
0: I love not roof that claims. I
2: think they're easy because I don't. I think they're some of the hardest claims on freaking planet. But neither here nor there.
0: Let me interject this real quick. Guys, if you're trying to learn how to work claims, if you're new and you want to honestly want to learn how to work claims and all the different nuances of it, start with roof claims. One, you'll get your teeth kicked in. And if you can win a roof claim, you can win anything. That's the, the the number one thing that I would tell you. And then the number two thing is is that it is such a given – it's such a machine on both our side and their side as as the process and how it goes. It's almost rote when you go through it. So it is a great learning tool. Go work a couple of roof claims. I highly recommend
2: it. Um, agree. So the way – I totally agree with you, dude. It's a great way to get your reps in. Um, Proximate cause. So you got your 32 shingler – 32 shingle repair. Okay, wind hail doesn't matter. And let's just say it's a fairly old roof, and the shingles are really brittle. And so you're staring at this one wind-damaged shingle in a field of shingles, and the you know the course above and adjacent shingles. We all know that basically making a spot repair, you're going to affect or otherwise jeopardize potentially these other shingles. So again, you got this one damaged shingle. And you've got shingles surrounding it that are, we'll just say, old and brittle. And the adjuster um, will always tell you, "Well, we don't care. We only owe for direct physical loss. Well, and we don't owe for wear and tear. We don't, we don't owe to, you know, pay for all this other shit because the roof is old. The proximate cause is the wind damage. Okay, period." Yeah. We wouldn't be talking about these other shingles if not but for this wind damage shingle that seems to be surrounded by a bunch of paralyzed shingles. We wouldn't care about them, but you said that you we need to repair this one here, and therefore, now we have to talk about these other things. That's how I generally so, explain proximate cause. Proximate cause is wind. The homeowner didn't follow a claim because the roof was old. The only reason we're talking about these yeah, other the, shingles is because yeah. you're telling us to fix this one. And we're sitting here saying, well, we can't do that without breaking shit. <laughs> so, we got to address.
0: Well, I mean, well, and, and so really what proximate cause is, is, is a bridge between events. It's really kind of how you want to look at proximate cause because it's really more of a bridge between two events so that you can understand how these two events are linked and 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 so how you explain that that proximate that proximate cause is the actual bridge and it links these two this happened therefore this happened and this is the bridge that it walked across in order for those things to be linked and then you get into all sorts of other things that when this one thing becomes damaged now whether or not the susceptibility of damage has nothing to do with the proximate cause. I just want to be clear about that. So just because a shingle is old doesn't have anything to do That's what depreciation is for. And so as it pertains to wear and tear and the roof being old, that's where you depreciate it. And if you want to address all of the shingles that are old, but aren't really damaged, that is addressed through the ability, through the language of the policy that allows them to depreciate it and pay an actual cash value on those shingles. Now, whether or not they replace them and do what they do is completely and totally up to them. If they just want to replace the damaged one, then there is no replacement cost value up that's available to them. And that's where you address that. But if, in fact, they do replace everything, which is what their policy covers under an extension of premium for replacement cost value, if they choose to go ahead and do that, then the replacement cost kicks in. So if you're just basically wanting to pay for that repair and that repair only, and you know that he's going to have to replace the entire roof, or if he tries to do it, the way that you control the money going out is through depreciation. And if he does spend all of the money and does replace his entire roof, then it becomes a better risk. So all in all, this is a win-win for everybody. So to withhold his ability to replace the roof under the coverage that he has purchased and paid for and owns... To regulate that just leaves that 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 dwelling in a higher level of risk than it was prior to the loss, and that's really where I want to come into the proximate cause principle here, because it leaves it uh, you know exposed, and I could tie any loss to it now if you don't fix it properly, right? Because then everything could be proximate cause. The reason the the uh, you know, the, really the reason that the, the roof blew off in the following storm was because we damaged all of these shingles around the one you paid for us to repair. So it's really proximate cause to the repair, not to the windstorm, right? Okay. So the windstorm, the windstorm then became the proximate cause of that because if not for that, then this wouldn't have been the case. It should have survived this windstorm without any problem. Thank you, uh, Mr. Monologue. The... <laughs> oh, that- What's that? That was exhausting. Did, I'm even tired. You, I almost you fell take asleep. a breath?
2: To to all our valued listeners, you're gonna have to listen to that one a it couple times. Well, you're gonna have to listen to that one a couple times over. <laughs> <laughs> did you and Hey, did you and Baby Cakes make a deal that oh Hey, God, I'm gonna go on one ninety second monologue and we're gonna cut that bad boy up. <laughs> we're, we're gonna cut that bad boy up. I didn't even think of that Donna's yeah. gonna be, Donna's gonna exactly get 20, 20 TikTok videos out of that monologue, bro. <laughs> yes. Actually
0: <laughs> she's actually cussing at me right now because all of her all of her uh, clips have to be sixty seconds and I went thirty seconds over. And so now she only had she it, it wrecked her clip. I should have done it fast. Hey, hey, so. all
2: kidding aside, look the definition here, the cause call, approximate cause um, according to IMRI, right? The cause having the most significant impact in bringing about the loss under a first-party property insurance policy when two or more independent perils operate at the same time to produce a loss. So it's interesting. You talked about that bridge, right? When I, I read this, and again, this is interesting stuff, and while there are definitions and this has been examined in court, the way that we understand it isn't always uh, as clear-cut, or at least the way that these things are employed isn't always clear-cut. So you talked about that bridge, the the, the chain of events. And the way that I look at this is, so you've got wind, and you've got we'll call wear and tear. The wind is covered. The wear and tear is not. The proximate cause is wind which bridges this claim wear and tear you can claim wear and tear it's just not covered right so you've got two perils you've got wind damage covered you got wear and tear not covered the wind being the proximate cause
0: and with no anti-concurrent causation clause in there this now it's got to be covered you've got to cover it
2: and that that's the yeah i'm I'm putting this in 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 the phonics edition for because that's how i operate right it's like that That wind damage is the bridge to, to those other things. Now, to be clear, your average carrier adjuster is not going to know what the hell you're talking about if you go in and you start dropping proximate calls and all this stuff. They, they weren't taught that at the water cooler. Okay? They weren't.
0: No, you've got... You- yeah, you've got to draw the dots a lot closer yeah. together. You basically have to illustrate what's going on here and explain it to them in the most pedagogical of ways. Sock puppets, those work. Yeah, I find them very effective.
2: It it is. Uh, it's 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 interesting. Now, have you have you found yourself utilizing like? like or rather being in a situation where maybe the the carriage was before the horses or something like that and like lately where where this is an issue and you found yourself having to explain the chain of events I mean I feel like that happens every now and again uh, especially but, on like water but, you know Yeah, flames, yeah you know. I mean
0: yeah because Right. 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 Because because like sometimes you have to you have to get into that. And in fact, I have I have counseled a couple of potential clients just recently on it, um, you know, as it pertains to the chain of events and how and how those timelines come into play. You know what I mean? Like I had a guy who had his refrigerator leak and the Liberty Mutual guy came out and said, yeah, it looks like it's been leaking for about two weeks, so it's not covered. You know, the minimum number of weeks required to have weeks.
2: (laughs) The minimum number of weeks required to have weeks. (laughs) We're going to go ahead and have to, unfortunately, I know this is really disappointing to you, but we're going to have to go ahead and let you know that we don't owe for that. That won't be covered
0: right and it's like well when did the damage begin sir we know we have a we have a general idea you none of us know any of this and he eight just to ten business days he ago just, he just looked at it and goes yeah that's been there for two weeks i mean you know and i know nobody can see me but I, I don't know if he like stuck his thumb in his mouth and did that hang on let me see there and just you know drew in his sights and it's like yeah that's about two weeks old, I'd say. I can tell because there's some of this stuff here that's rotted. And so this is this has been going on for a while. And and it's like the guy sent me two or three pictures of it, amateur pictures of it, and I'm looking at it and I'm going I don't see anything there that points to the fact that it's two weeks old. I'm I'm curious what this guy's looking at. And and I mean This guy is clearly paid by the hour because he turns in a claim that's basically a full denial. He's not paid based on the claim, I can tell you that. But I mean, it's this small little. I bet Brent. I bet it's not. I bet it's not a twelve thousand dollars loss, and it's in a kitchen. So if anybody's ever worked claims, they know if you can get in and out of a kitchen for under fifteen grand, man, you are doing really good. You know, I mean, there's no significant ca- cabinet damage. There is a non-continuous running of wood floor that's damaged. And that's basically it. Some baseboards and some paint are obviously going to get involved. But I mean, it's not that big of a loss. Typically, it would, I would just coach this person. I wouldn't even take it on as a claim because paying my fee hurts the claim. And I just don't want to do that. So I would rather just coach them yeah. through it. Um, remind them that they have ever bit as much power as I do. Yeah. You know, ever been as much authority? You are a member of that contract, and there is—I mean—and you—and you have the right to talk about it. You know what I mean? You couldn't negotiate it, but now if there's any ambiguity, this is where the negotiations begin, and this is where we'll get we'll we'll get fierce. So the proximate cause their thing, and most of the time you're right. Is they tra- without an anti concurrent causation thing, the proximate cause, any kind of wear and tear that is going to that is going to be obsolete, and I'm going to tell you that. And that is how proximate cause works. Did you want to button that up during a little bit of corner time uh, here? So
2: I thought that was pretty good. Um, I always feel like these segments are too short, you know because right well, right there yeah. at the end right there at the end, <laughs> I was thinking of other words like sudden accidental, physical loss, and Shit, like consequential damages, you know what I'm saying?
1: And
0: and and right, it's like right. a lot of these, you, write
1: all of it down. you know. It it's
0: terms. like you can't you have well have I got good news for you. <laughs> because I'm gonna tack on to this next round, which is ensuing loss. We're gonna go ahead and talk about consequential damages. We're gonna get into all of those kinds of things in the very next round. Um Okay. So I that was just plain data. <laughs> we I honestly you? looked down for who we were going to shout out to. I thought that there was a shout out and that was an effort to segue into that. So, I mean, we can edit this um, part out. Well, I don't
1: I don't have the exact wording, but we did we did get um, some good feedback
0: for our We content. did. Let's tell us about that kind of back and forth and, you know,
1: the, Well, they just said that they appreciate the content and that's very informative and they look forward to more. So, that was pretty cool. We're
0: getting some high praise out there, Brent. Yeah. I am. Uh, I'm excited. People are listening, um, you know. And and guys, please do not do not be afraid to interact with us. I mean, please click like and subscribe. I, I'm sure I'll say that again. But yeah. we want your comments, and in fact, you can email us at pain of the claim at gmail.com. The pain of the claim. The pain of the claim at gmail.com. Um, you know, I'm on social media. You can you can find me on Instagram at Claims Coach and I'm on TikTok at Claims Coach.
1: Our Facebook group is is on and popping up.
0: Yeah, the Facebook group is really moving along too, Brent. Right. So the pain of the claim Facebook group. So go in there, join that thing. I mean, we haven't had any kind of really big discussions or interactions yet, but I'm looking well, forward here, to Well so. here's
2: something something too that I, I would uh, I would urge our listeners or you know, anybody with an interest is give us feedback you know if there's something you want us to try something you'd like to hear more of we're open to it if you think something sucks let us know because um, we are just
1: getting nice. we, we are we are just getting
2: going with this and and obviously there's so much ground to cover and so so much stuff we can do i mean you and i jeremy aren't the most creative guys in the world we're just passionate about what we do every day so you're not going to hurt our feelings so anybody listening, you know, any, any any feedbacks good feedback. So,
1: absolutely, absolutely you will hurt my feelings. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm just no. throwing it out. Yeah, if, if you're going to be cry. an
2: asshole, send it to me directly because I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> <laughs> right,
1: yeah. right,
0: yeah, yeah. If that's what you're going to do, <laughs> absolutely. Baby cake, this is sensitive, so. <laughs> So, yeah, but we also love any kind of constructive criticism, like if the audio is not right, please let us know if anything like that we would rather we because if it's something that we think we can fix, we'll, we'll certainly address that, guys. But thank you so much for listening. Um, You guys are the ones that make it absolutely worth doing this. And I'm and I'm and we're glad to have you. Ensuing loss. I'm gonna add consequential, consequential, <laughs> consequential damage to that as well. These these ins- not, they do that to make you look it's stupid. It's true,
2: man. So hey, let me let me, let know, me interject real quick. I'm gonna, we're gonna start with a definition: an exception to an exclusion in a first-party property policy that applies in a special type of fact pattern where the damage caused by an excluded peril operates as the link in the chain of events that enables a covered peril to damage other property. How's that for a definition?
0: Man. Is that all one sentence? Read that one. Just read that one more time just so uh, that we're, we're clear uh, on it because I, I caught it. It's, it's, a,
2: it's quite a bit. And by the way, this is from I, IRMI as well. So um, ensuing loss clause. An exception to an exclusion in a first-party property policy that applies in a special type of fact pattern where the damage caused by an excluded peril operates as a link in the chain of events that enables a covered peril to damage other property.
0: So, basically, when your roof is old and brittle and can't be repaired, that is not something that you can claim. But what you can claim is wind damage. And so, if wind damages that, the ensuing loss of repairing the covered damage causes additional damage to the property. That was as confusing as what you were <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, thinking, oh, I, don't, yeah, I, don't I don't know if, if, I don't know if, that made less sense than what you did now <laughs>
2: uh, well the, <laughs> dude I mean look.
0: I got guys pulling in to hold up liquor stores after that now <laughs> great <laughs> I lost the listener there Just tell me hold on tell, tell me if I'm
2: getting this right pipe breaks we don't know we don't know for the uh, the ten dollars to to fix the pipe the actual hardware we don't. We don't know for that that five dollar piece of plastic to fix the pipe, right? But everything that ensues after, all that water damage, all that other stuff, would fall under ensuing loss, right?
0: Yeah, it falls under ensuing loss. And it also falls under anti concurrent. It also falls under concurrent right. causation. So just because, and the, and and remember the the re, why the pipe breaks matters. Yes. Yes, okay, so why yes, the pipe yes, break matter? So if the pipe breaks because it's old, like it's a cast iron pipe and it's old and it's rusted and it 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 gets eaten through, and so you see that happen a lot of times. So if the pipe breaks because it's old, no, the pipe is not covered. If the pipe breaks because it's frozen, then it is covered. Yeah. That piece of hardware yeah. then is covered, and then that's and so now we've got you know the pipe is covered under one peril, and all of the other damage is covered under the peril of water. It's not covered under the peril. Let's of break that so, down. You ahead. gave
2: two examples, and I'm glad you you delineated right. So in one, you've got a old cast iron pipe that's you know corroded and rusted corrosion included, right? Pipe breaks. Mm -hmm. In that scenario, generally speaking, and I want to remind everybody, we're talking very generally here, but generally speaking, corrosion breakdown, it's not covered. So what it means is that pipe repair, that hardware, not going to be paid for, but all the other stuff is. So you got two perils. You got one that's old, corroded, wear and tear, whatever, aged, pipe breaks second peril is the water damage right
0: depending on the carrier even the access to get to the uncovered pipe is covered
2: yes yes um so that's that's bucket a you've got two perils one peril's covered or one peril's not covered one peril is bucket b concurrent causation you've got a pipe that freezes and then the pipe explodes, and therefore, you have all this water damage. Freeze covered, water damage covered. In that instance, the cost of repair said pipe or pipes would be paid for. So, again, there's, a, there's an important distinction there as it relates to ensuing loss. There's ensuing loss in both scenarios, but in scenario one, the pipe isn't going to be paid to be fixed. In scenario two, the pipe would be paid paid for it to be.
0: So I want to go, I want to go back to the cast iron pipe so that we're very clear about what's going on. So now understand if the said cast iron pipe rusts and breaks, that broken pipe has then, then has to have ensuing loss in order for you, for it to be paid to access it. So let me give you an example. Okay. If the, you have a slab leak, and the slab and the pipe is broken and water is running and it's running out of the foundation and it's running down the down, down the way. And there's just really nothing you can do. But it but the water is not coming inside the house like it's not coming up to the floor, damaging the floor, damaging the drywall. It's just running out of the house. There is no coverage for that. None. None. The only way that you, the access to that pipe is going to be covered is if it is causing damage. So damage to the floor above the pipe, it can, and in my case, the cast iron pipe, which is usually a sewer line causes a backup. And then you have a cat water, th- you know, a cat three water loss inside your home. Then those sorts of things are covered because it falls under mitigating efforts. And that's why that's why the access to it, because the policy demands you take mitigating efforts to fix and to cover that thing from ever doing that again. Right. So that's that's where that that's where that comes from. The ensuing the ensuing loss and then consequential consequential damage are not exactly the same exact thing, because you can have an ensuing loss that has two covered perils to it the freeze broke the pipe the ensuing loss then is water those are two perils that are covered so because both of those perils are covered the concurrent causation situation doesn't necessarily apply where you have concurrent where you have concurrent causation is in the example of the rusted pipe so the broken pipe is the event that's not covered, but it then has an ensuing loss that triggers a covered loss. And then that's how, because of that ensuing loss, that's how coverage is then applied, but it's got to do some sort of damage. It's got to cause some sort of covered damage. So it's got to damage covered property. Excuse me. Rewind <laughs> that. It has to damage covered property.
2: <laughs> Sorry. Uh... I'm just laughing because we talk about this stuff like all day, every day, and um, it never ceases to amaze. What a mouthful! You know, you, you're, you're trying, you're trying to convey this stuff in a way that's digestible, and it's like, holy shit! Like, I know what you're trying to say. Well,
0: I, you know, <laughs> I know what you. Well, well, you know, yeah, and, and look, and so. And, you know, I'm not trying to explain it to an, you know, a classroom of eighth graders. You know what I mean? So that's not what I'm trying to do. I mean, and 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 the best way to really explain this stuff, and as much as we try to do it, is through through anecdotes. Uh, Anecdotally, uh, we're going to try to explain it. Ergo, the frozen pipe in the wall versus the 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 rusted pipe in the ground. All of these things are 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 that you. That's the biggest thing that you have to understand is what is it that causes these things to all link together so that you can find coverage. And so and that is really the idea here is when you start using these principles, this concurrent causation principle, um, you um, you look at the, the proximate cause principle and then you also look at these ensuing loss principles. This is these are tools, guys, that you use to find coverage in a policy when State Farm or Allstate or Farmers or pick whatever insurance company that's out there. They're all basically going out there and doing that. You know, as it pertains to denials, their job is to their job is not to help you find coverage, though they should have an eye for coverage. That's not what they're there to do. And the thing that aggravates me the most, Brent, is that's the bill of goods that they're selling people. When they spend... $5 million on 30 seconds at the freaking Super Bowl, it's not to convince people to let them know that, by the way, when you have a loss, you're on your own. You call us because we want to make sure that we can control the narrative and determine how much we're going to owe you as opposed to you letting us know, which is actually what your policy says. They're not going to spend $5 million on 30 seconds explaining to people how their policy works. They're going to sell them a bill of goods that basically says, we're here to help you set the value of the loss. Well, isn't that convenient you know and the more people realize that if I, I do not I do not want to play into the narrative of the carrier ever and so much of what we do is we have let them set the rules of the game so if I have a hailstorm guess what the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go up and I'm going to draw a test square and start drawing circles on it Brent that's what I'm going to do because you know why because that was the guideline that was taught to independent adjusters to determine whether or not a roof needs to be replaced and it doesn't really have any sort of scientific method under than it was just a good rule of thumb. It has no bearing as far as whether or not a roof should be repaired or replaced whatsoever, but it is what we use to determine the the condition of a roof guys and it's wrong it's the narrative that the carrier is presenting over and over again and we're playing their game all the time and it's that's why i don't want a reinspection. your reinspection involves somebody other than you going out taking pictures and turning them in which is exactly what i have done what is wrong with what i'm showing you and i get that that's a rant and i'm sorry to have gone off on yet another monologue but i'm serious about this the more we play into their narrative and play by their rules, we need to hold the policy up and go, no, no, no. This is the way that it's going to be done. Or... And by the way, this was your idea. Right. You're the one that wrote the policy.
2: I mean, there's not a whole lot to add to that. There's not. There really isn't. I would remind everybody, though, that we're talking about, these things that we're unpacking. You know, we're just scratching the surface of some of these principles, right? Listen to the things that we're talking about and go do your own homework because it's not an accident that your run-of-the-mill adjuster only knows one line of the policy. And it's that exclusionary language under coverage A, that we hear every freaking day. It's in every boilerplate denial and partial denial letter that we get about wear and tear and marring and whatever the fuck else it says. Right? It's not an accident that that's the only line of the policy that they know. Right? And so I would end my little snippet here with: You take these things. You know, I, we're not we're not suggesting that you should go. Send 15 emails tomorrow, dropping consequential damage and ensuing loss and proximate. Call. No, take the stuff. Think about how it applies to your your queue of claims that you're working on, and start identifying these trends. Because as Amen. you get your reps in, you're going to start seeing this stuff coming. Right when your phone rings. Within 25 words, you're going to have a rough idea of potentially what's going on as it relates to, you know, your residential claims and things like that. And read the freaking policy. Don't assume you know what's in there. We should do a whole episode on times where we, we thought we knew. And sure enough, you get a certified copy of the policy and you're like, holy shit, I had that wrong. Right. But again, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to digress on that, but it's like, don't assume that, you know, right. It's just right. read the stuff, take the principles and try to apply them in context to what it, you know, each individual claim, you know, we broad stroke these principles for the sake of brevity and, and to cover ground and, and, you know, educate the the masses, but, The way these things apply to individual claims, it kind of manifests itself differently, right? I mean, depending on the chain of events, depending on what happened, depending on the circumstances, the definitions of the the terms don't change, but the way in which they're applied or the way in which they're they're, uh, contextually relevant can have some nuance to it, so...
0: Well, I mean, and and that's and that's even I said that when I uh, that that endorsement video that I did for commercial claims advocate that's out now, if you want to go watch it, um, we I, I kind of unpack some endorsements, much like Brent and I did uh, the other day um, on the Rumble. Um, I get I get in. And, and one of the things that I'm talking about is how often that those endorsements are are the way that they're triggered ends up actually limiting coverage. And these people have paid premium for it and it should never, ever, ever limit the amount of coverage that they have under coverage. A. You know what I'm saying? The only time that that should, that that that, that should trigger is when, is when there is no other coverage available and we're going to give you some coverage, not up to policy limits, but we're going to, we're going to exhaust all of coverage a before this thing gets triggered, you know? And so it's, it's really, it, it's really interesting how how they're misinterpreted and misapplied um, often in in claims. It's it's crazy. You would think that there would be a more of a standard that would be out there. Yeah. So
2: yeah. Well, I tell you what. On that, I'm, I'm going to get the last one in. But co coverage is, is something yep. that's uh, that's a good time and it'll get people arguing with each other. About the way in which L or building code upgrade. Yeah. Oh, I,
0: the funny thing is, is it's really not, that you know what I mean? But how they want to apply, you know, it's like, uh, there's a difference between compliance and upgrade. I get that. And that's the most, that's the biggest argument that I've heard as of late is the difference between compliance and yeah. upgrade and so yeah i mean i could we could get into some different endorsements if you guys want to hear something on endorsements tell us the endorsements that you want to hear and we'll do an entire rumble on different yeah. endorsements and we'll unpack all of those for you guys and uh send in your questions the endorsements that you want us to talk about and we would happy to we'd be happy to make that an entire show and, and, what, so and hit it's us not, up on the pain of the claim on facebook and, uh, sorry
2: sorry jeremy i totally didn't
0: No, no, the good. uh
2: keep in mind guys i'm i'm from the East Coast, Jeremy's obviously in Texas, so like you know the stuff that Jeremy sees every day is slightly different than the stuff that I'm getting kicked in the chest with. So you know it's a it's all fair game. You know even if it's something you know if you're out on the West Coast or something like send it in like we'll, we'll unpack it, we'll talk about it, we'll bring you on the show, yeah. you know whatever. Um, it's it's all fair game.
0: It would yeah, it's helpful to know what kind of state that you're working yep. in so that we can kind of research the laws on that because California really different. Yep. Um, you know, and maybe if we don't, if we can't figure it out, we'll find somebody who does and we'll bring them on. Yeah. So, um, I wouldn't mind talking to California. Leland. Yeah, I was gonna
2: say, I, I'm pretty sure Leland wouldn't mind weighing in on some of this stuff.
0: Yeah, Leland's, Leland's got some opinions about some things, but <laughs> you, you, you don't know, say. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> I, I and, and, and typically I just sit there and nod with my jaw on the ground, you know what I mean.
2: That oh. dude, that dude, forgotten, forgotten I, I, more about claim settlement than I know.
0: <laughs> Man, he he was actually on the pain of the claim not too long ago. There's an entire episode of of Leland Coons on the pain of the claim, and it's like it's like a bedtime story.
1: Yes, <laughs> I want. I asked him if he would read to me.
0: I, I mean, it's so. I mean, he he does it. He does I it so really well. Talk. He was. He I've was never met him. Well. I've great, never. So. I've
2: never talked to him. But I've heard, I've only, well, I mean, I've only, the only heard phrases. I mean, and
0: I, 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 man, I the only time I've met him was on the pain of the claim when we had him on the pain of the claim, it was over zoom is the only time I've met him. But, um, man, that guy, that guy is a wealth of knowledge and whatever the law is in your state, he probably knows it, but he'll tell you every time I'm not a lawyer, but I think he's lying. <laughs> I, I, he
1: secretly went to law school I think he, he doesn't
0: want to tell anybody I'd be embarrassed too People
1: ask for free advice I wouldn't tell anybody either
0: So he likes working in the trenches Well guys thank you so much for all of the time um, Brent once again man It is always a pleasure Baby cakes Thanks for holding down the fort over there for us And um, keeping us on task We couldn't do it without you Guys say some nice things to, uh, to Donna Because she is the one that puts the show together for us Every week um and she does the all of the editing and so all of the stuff that anything cool that you hear on the show is probably because of donna and not because of me and brent <laughs> but guys click like and subscribe hit us up we want to hear from you thank you so much and we will see you on the next one I